We have two scripture readings today. The first comes from Psalm 19, beginning with verse 1. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Our second reading comes from Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. For Christ is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one, and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we come to you today as a people longing for your word, for the wisdom that comes from scripture, for the presence of those who came before us. Would you calm all our anxieties within and without, that we might listen for your word more closely. Amen. What does it mean to belong to a people? To belong to a place? The first question is the main inspiration for this sermon. It was posed by writer, speaker, and storyteller Caitlin Curtis in her 2020 book, Native, in which she shares how reconnecting with her Native American roots as a Potawatomi woman both informs and challenges her Christian faith. I returned to her book this week because I was interested in exploring Native wisdom for this sermon in honor of Indigenous Peoples Day, which we observe tomorrow. I admit that I have not spent a lot of time reading or studying works by Native American authors or artists outside of this book and a few readings in seminary from indigenous theologians and a few books that are still on my shelf. 
but I can say that some of the wisdom in Curtis's book has already impacted how I live in the world before this week. Earlier this spring, I intentionally set out with our loud mix, Theo, for a longer than normal walk. I put in my headphones and started the audiobook of Native, which is read by the author herself. It felt like taking a walk with a stranger who becomes a friend just by listening to their life story and gleaning from their wisdom. Just a few hours later, I came home with a surprising newfound attention and affection for the plants in my home. Hearing her speak about the intentionality of caring for a plant was so moving that it permanently changed how I interact with these plants in my home. The act of touching the soil to see if it needs water or touching and looking at the leaves to see if it's getting enough or too much sun. The act of slowly watering a plant and witnessing how it drinks in the nutrients through its roots. Even the act of practicing gratitude for how our plants clean the air in our homes, especially past few years in the midst of a pandemic. I have shifted from seeing my plants as more objects and tasks to seeing them as living, feeling elements of God's creation. They are organisms that crave attention and care, just like a child or a pet, but without an audible voice. This week, I started listening to her audiobook again, expecting to learn something different hoping to glean, to glean new wisdom. So I did something that is both rare and difficult for me. I cleared my mind and my calendar for a few hours, and I settled in to let her words wash over me again. I was not surprised, given that the subtitle of her book is Identity, Belonging, and Rediscovering God, that I was struck by the theme of belonging. This is a theme that I think about and talk about a lot, both in the context of youth ministry and in my own life as a young adult who has moved to two new states in the last five years. But the way that I think and talk about belonging is mostly in the sense of fitting in. The kinds of questions that we ask about fitting in are questions like, do I have a friend group? Do people like me? accept me or celebrate me. And the other way that I often think of belonging is paradoxically as a sense of ownership. Do I know where to go for my next class, my next meal, or my next meeting? Does my house or my church or even my office building feel like home yet? Is this friend group mine as much as it is the persons who brought me in? But when Caitlin Curtis asks, what does it mean to belong, she means it an entirely different way. She speaks about belonging to a people and to a land. About connecting with the ancestors through story, as well as listening to the land itself calling out to us and sharing the stories of its former people. It is an idea that is also depicted in our psalm reading today. Creation speaks to us. 
It tells of the heavens proclaiming God's glory without speech or words. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth. In her book, she talks about her own experiences and epiphanies, saying that ancestors sometimes come to us in the oddest ways, and mystery speaks to us when we are least expecting it. This is kind of how we talk about God and especially the Holy Spirit. This kind of belonging in the world to a people and a place sounds like the most meaningful way to exist. And yet I have no idea how to access it. It's difficult to me to clear my mind and calendar for just a few hours in my own home. So I don't often or ever really take the time to do it on a hike or in a sacred place. It feels like an unrealistic expectation to simply be and wait for the past to speak. To listen for the voice of the land or the ancestors, or to connect with a place so deeply throughout time. This is also the kind of language that Jesus and Paul used about being part of the body of Christ, and even before that, being part of the Jewish faith. This community that eventually became the Christian church and Westminster Church. Paul speaks in Ephesians about a people who are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. He speaks about our collective identity being built together as a holy temple for God to dwell in us and through us. This is not a place that we can imagine or access in any practical sense, and yet we belong to it. We listen to its stories and even imagine the stories that are missing from the pages of scripture with the help of theologians and storytellers. I also learned this week that while Jacob was working toward his doctorate program or his doctorate degree with Portland Seminary during COVID, he had the privilege of learning from Randy Woodley a theologian, professor, and also a Cherokee descendant. Jacob lent me Woodley's illustrated story of the Harmony Tree, which similarly explores this idea of connecting to a people and a place. Now, I heard someone say this week that Westminster is not a people who have great imaginations. So I challenge you to prove them wrong by imagining yourself into this particular story This is a summary of mine, but the story is told from the perspective of an old grandmother oak tree. Grandmother oak has long lived in a forest with deep roots. But one day, loggers come and cut down all of the other trees, leaving her alone. Over time, she drops acorn after acorn, but none of them take root. Eventually, a subdivision moves in, and as it is built, grown trees are planted in front of each home. She reaches out to these younger trees, but they have shallow roots and are not interested in her wisdom. Until the day they realize that their own shallow roots are the reason that their fellow young trees are being blown over in storms, uprooted, 
and soon replaced by new, young, grown trees. In their fear, they turn to Grandmother Oak and ask her, how do we grow stronger roots in order to withstand the storms? She tells them to share their own stories of how they came to be here and then to reach down to access the stories of the trees before them, to literally reach down with their roots. So as they open up about their own journeys, they grow and reach farther into the earth where they gather the history of their ancestors before them as they grow stronger, deeper roots. You could easily say that even though they are trees, they also form a people. So what does this mean for us as the people of Westminster Presbyterian Church in this sacred place? I don't know about all of you, but I am not very well versed in how to make a soul-deep connection or connect with the ground, nor am I awash with revelations from the Spirit. It is comforting to hear that one way to access the stories of our ancestors and the lives that have been touched by this place is to share our own stories. It is not one or the other, but something I often call a both. Curtis says that the sacred thing about being human is that no matter how hard we try to get rid of them, our stories are our stories. They are carried inside us. They hover over us. They are the tools that we use to explain ourselves to one another and to connect. Belonging to a people and a place is about more than attending a worship service, going on a mission trip, or showing up for a youth or children event. It is about listening to the stories, whether at a memorial service of a longtime member, in the pages of the history of Westminster's journey to reconcile faith and race, or in the many other stories that are spoken here. It is about opening yourself up to share the stories of your own past and also letting people care for you in the present. Belonging to a people and a place like Westminster is about asking and listening for the answers to three key questions. One, who have we been? Two, who are we now? And three, who will we become. This is the part that requires more imagination. So I encourage us all to practice, to spend time envisioning the future of this place and this people, to long for a future here. Belonging to a people means that we invest in its future. This is something that we do very well. Every year when we pledge, we commit ourselves to the continued mission of all our ministries together. But I also talked with the kids recently about how a capital campaign is an opportunity to dream and imagine the future. A lot of us were laughing. It is very amusing to bring a capital campaign into a children's sermon. But I meant it seriously. 
it's a serious, imaginative way to think about what this season means for our community. A capital campaign is an opportunity to ask and answer the question, who will we become? How will we continue to welcome people? Something that right now we do very well. How will we worship? Will we continue to worship traditionally? To worship with theological depth? Will we ever be able to direct people around the building? Raise your hand if you know outside of the choir where the choir room is. Yes, you know, a third. That's a good challenge. And most importantly, how do we preserve this special place and this special people for the future that is yet to come? We have deep roots at Westminster, but only a handful have reached Grandmother Oak status. Many others have strong and sturdy roots. Many, like myself, are young trees with shallow roots who are still becoming grounded. And some don't have the luxury of growing roots at all. They remain in pots, ready for the next assignment, and move from time to time, coming back when they can. We also have some acorns, like Vivian, who we welcome today. We belong to this place. That means that we pay attention to the parts of it that feel sacred, the parts that hold memories, that preserve the names of our ancestors. On rooms, on plaques, and even on benches. We care for the building itself, and we are grateful for those who keep it running. And we also imagine how this place could further the ministry of Westminster and the ministry of Christ. We belong to this people. This means we listen to the stories of our faith ancestors. In the scripture of old, in the stories of our own grandmother Oaks, and even the people they remember, and also in the presence of others. It means that we share our own stories in the present so that we can be woven into the tapestry of the Westminster story. And it means that we imagine a future for the people who will be Westminster in the years to come. For we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. We are also built together spiritually into a people and a place where God dwells. Amen.